0: As a congregation, for those of you who are visiting, as a congregation we've been working our way through the Lord's Prayer as we find it in the Heidelberg Catechism. And last week we dealt with the question of prayer in general. Why we pray. Why prayer is necessary and what belongs to a prayer that is heard by God and pleases Him, what God commands us to ask of Him. This week we'll be... Dealing with the first part of the Lord's Prayer, the introduction, addressing God as our Father. So in connection with that, we're going to be reading from Ephesians 4. Ephesians, or sorry, Ephesians 3. Ephesians 3, the verses 14 to 19. So Paul has been speaking about him being a prisoner of Christ Jesus here, and he says, "Therefore, I ask you not to lose heart on my tribulations, for you, which is your glory." And then he opens in verse 14, "For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory." to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So the Lord's Day we'll be reading from is Lord's Day 46, which you can find on page 560 of your books of praise. Why has Christ commanded us to address God as our Father? To awaken in us at the very beginning of our prayer that childlike reverence and trust towards God, which should be basic to our prayer. God has become our Father through Christ and will much less deny us what we ask of him in faith than our fathers would deny us earthly things. Why is there added in heaven? These words teach us not to think of God's heavenly majesty in an earthly manner, and to expect from his almighty power all things we need for body and soul. So far. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, How is your relationship with God? Now, I know the temptation right now will be to say, Oh, pretty good. But I want you to stop and think for a moment. I don't want you to give a pat answer to this question. How is your relationship with God? Do you see Him as your Father? We're going to move on for a moment, but in the meantime, I want you to hold on to that thought. Do you see God as your father? In our church today, I I think we would all agree that the father figure is an important figure in the home. We understand from scripture that it's the father's responsibility in relation to his kids to provide for his family. Matthew 7, verses 9 to 11, 1 Timothy 5, verse 8 to instruct his children, Proverbs 1, to exhort, encourage, and implore his children, 1 Thessalonians 2, to discipline unruly children, Deuteronomy 21 and Hebrews 12 verse 7, to raise children in the discipline and nurture of the Lord without provoking them or exasperating them, causing them to lose heart, Ephesians 6 verse 4 and Colossians 3 verse 21. We recognize the integral and irreplaceable role that the father has in the family. Now, of course, we we also recognize the irreplaceable role of the mother in the family, but that's not the point I want to focus on for today. We recognize the father's role in the family and how important that is. However, we live in a day and age that the traditional family unit with a father and mother and children is seen as increasingly irrelevant according to statistics put out by the group the fatherless generation an american group the lack of a father figure in america has had a significant impact on the home and we ought not to doubt it's any different where we are here in canada let's look at the statistics for a moment 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. This is 32 times the national average. 85% of children who show behavior disorders come from fatherless homes, 20 times the national average. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes, 9 times the national average. 75% of all adolescent patients in chemical abuse centers come from fatherless homes, 10 times the national average. Now there's many, many more stats that we could pull up in connection with fatherless homes. Would these people say, these ones who are involved in it, say that it is because they didn't have a father role in their lives that this happened to them? Probably not. But the stats do speak to it. It's, it's necessary. God has created us to have parents to have a father who is there and active in your life he's created us in a relational way he's he's created us as as parents and children to have a father who is there who hears you and supports you and guides you and we could say the same of our father in heaven it's necessary for us to see our father as involved in our lives And because of that, it's very necessary to examine our personal view of our Father in Heaven. Who is our Father in Heaven? Now, we live in an age of broken relationships, so it's no surprise that many paint God as the absentee Father or as emotionally detached or abusive or otherwise. Ever since the fall into sin, fathers have proved time and time again that they're imperfect creatures. They don't always mentor their children the way they should. They're not always patient as they should be. They sometimes provoke their children to wrath. In a climate like that, it's not surprising that some of us, when we hear God described as our Father in heaven, wonder what exactly that means. But it's not just those who have had relationships with their fathers, who have a skewed perception of God, who have had bad relationships. Even many of us who have personal function, perfectly functional families don't necessarily know what it means to have God as our Father. So in light of that, today we'll look at the following theme. The question, is God your Father? So who is God in relation to you? Is God your father? I want you to think back to the importance that we placed on fatherhood, on the active and involved presence of the father in the life of a child. Do we see God as that kind of a father? Or is God a distant being who intervenes once in a while? Or maybe comforts me through his word on occasion, but for the rest is pretty much hands off. Do we maybe even have a deistic view? Deism is a philosophy in which God started the world spinning and for the rest, just stepped back completely. He got things going and leaves it at that. Is that the view that we have as God? Do we not think of God as much of a father because he simply doesn't function that way in our lives? I want to read the first few words of our passage again, the the opening words of Ephesians 3, verse 14. We read there, For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Many people, when they're reading this, they stop right there. And at first glance, they kind of walk away with the opinion, Oh, he's only the Father of Jesus Christ. But there you'd be wrong, because What immediately follows are the words from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Think back to when Jesus was first resurrected in John 20, verse 17, and he spoke to Mary. There he said, go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father. We also read just prior to our passage in chapter 2, verse 17 of Ephesians, Christ came and preached peace to you who were afar off, and those who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now therefore you're no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. And we further read in Galatians 3 verse 26, For you all are sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. We're all children of God. We are all sons of God. The Catechism itself summarizes that in saying, Christ alone is the eternal, natural Son of God, but we, however, are children of God through adoption. And if we are members of God's household and children of God, it naturally follows that God is our Father. So He's not just the Father of Jesus Christ. We need to put that idea out of our minds. And we need to look to the fact that he is the father of each and every person who believes. Not too long ago, when speaking with someone, they mentioned the question of how little we as a Canadian Reformed Federation tend to speak about our our faith lives. How little we speak about our walk with God. The question was raised, is part of the reason that, as a general rule, we don't speak much about it, is part of the reason for that, because we don't have much of one. Do we not talk with each other about our devotions because we don't really take the time to invest in them and find out how God is speaking into our lives, what he's revealing about himself, his nature, and what that means for us? Now, we can see the effects of this. Even in our church here today, we run across those who don't have much of a walk with God. Sure, the Bible is read at family devotions around the table, but how much time for each and every one of you? Think. How much time is spent actually discussing it, thinking about it? Not necessarily much. Are personal devotions done? Are couples' devotions done? devotions as a couple within the home, husband and wife? Do we keep ourselves and those close to us accountable on these points? This is something that so many of us struggle with. So when we speak with each other and we realize that we don't speak much of our faith lives with each other, much about our faith lives together, we need to ask ourselves the question, is it because we don't really have much of one? So how does the question of fatherhood connect to this? Many of us don't have a proper grasp of what it means to have God as a father. We don't rely on him in that way. We don't speak to him in that way. We don't really consider him in that way, even though he declares himself to be that in the word, even in the very opening words of our passage. So the question is, whose fault is it that we don't experience him as such? Does the fault lie with God? Consider what kind of God our Father is for a moment. At night, when we look up into the heavens, you can see the night sky, black as velvet and sparkling with stars. You can see the planets wheeling overhead and the moon hanging there, a bright white disk, a lesser light reflecting the greater glory of the sun. You feel so small. And it makes you think of God. What is man that you're mindful of him? When I consider the heavens, the work of your hands, what is man that you are mindful of him? The vastness of the night sky reminds us of the might of our powerful God. When you see the sun come up in the morning and you see the flowers opening once again, you see God clothing the flowers of the field in a glory that even King Solomon in all of his splendor couldn't rival. You hear the birds begin to stir, to flutter about and sing. And the words of Jesus are brought to mind. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. We read in Isaiah that he holds the earth in the hollow of his hand and all its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. The picture of the numbers of the nations as numerous as a countless swarm. Creation is to us a constant reminder of God's powerful and sustaining care. Upholding even the smallest aspects of it from moment to moment. And then we're reminded on seeing creation, are you not of much more value than they? For that's the picture that we receive, isn't it? God showed how much he values us through Jesus Christ. This God who created the heavens and the earth, the universe in all of its vast extent, is the same God who called you and me out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. 1 Peter 2 verse 9. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6. It is the God who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness. Who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. In the face of Jesus Christ. He called us from darkness into light. So that every day, each and every day. We may be able to call him Father. As the canons of Dort say, for this was the most free counsel of God the Father, that the life-giving and saving work of the most precious death of his son should extend to all the elect. Each and every time we take the time to listen to him, each and every time we look to his word or hear it proclaimed, we're once again reminded of our adoption as sons we're once again reminded of his revelation and his declaration of love to sinners. His declaration of those who seek him and come to him through his son as righteous and his daily provision for our needs. And so, in light of that, I ask you once again, does the problem lie with God? At this point, it becomes very clear that the answer is no. So where then does the problem lie? In our very own hearts. If you do not see God as your father, if you don't feel like you have a relationship with him that reflects it, it's through no fault of his. Because he has opened every avenue, he has provided in every way, and he's always there if we'll take the time out of our day to spend time with him. Compare it to if one of you left home. Parents, a fair number of you have had your teens move out recently. I saw a few of them this morning. I don't know if I can see any more now, but consider, just, just imagine yourself as that teen for a moment. Imagine if you helped them out in every way possible, perhaps even covered a portion of their rent, probably not for most of you, but for the sake of this illustration, it shows daily involvement, and and they said nothing to you. Your constant involvement with them, your loving messages to them, get rarely, if ever, read. Your phone calls get ignored. How do you feel? You've opened every avenue, but would you even feel that you had a relationship with that child? Brothers and sisters, this is a grievous sin on our part. To treat God in this way after all he's done for us is a terrible sin. It's ungratefulness personified. When we don't take the time to hear our Father, to recognize what he says to us, when we don't read the letters he's written to us to us through the Bible, when we don't take the time to speak with him through prayer, brothers and sisters, this should not be. Is God your Father? Is He really your Father? Then will you treat Him as such? Jesus Christ gives us multiple examples of how we should interact with God. The first and most obvious, of course, is what we find in those opening words of the Lord's prayer. He teaches us to begin addressing God by our Father. But he goes further than that as well. Let's go back for a moment, take a step back in time to when Jesus was celebrating the Passover at the age of 12. He went down to Jerusalem with his family. And you can find that in Luke 2 verse 41 and following. Now, as his family comes back home, he lingers in Jerusalem. His family hunts for him everywhere and they eventually find him in the temple. But his response to their panic is, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? He sought out the house of God. He wanted to spend time in his courts, listening to what he learned, listening to what men said about God and asking them questions to learn more. He had a passion and a heart for his father. He wanted to discover the deeper aspects of his relationship, with his Father. This ought to be a reminder for you as well. You're speaking to God, and He is your Father. Why talk in that way? The Catechism puts it in the following way. To awaken in us at the very beginning of our prayer that childlike reverence and trust towards God that should be basic to our prayer. That very same childlike trust and the quiet desire that Jesus has to sit in the temple the house of God and want to soak up everything he could possibly learn about the father is the trust that should be expressed by us what does this mean for us oh well, first of all first of all apart from spending time in his word when when we're addressing God we need to stop Just talking to the air. Stop talking to the air. So many of us, when we're, uh, so many of us here today, when we pray, we don't always talk with our Father. We don't approach Him with childlike reverence and trust. We pray like we would speak to no one in our lives, with barely a thought, right before our breakfast or lunch or supper just sitting down and spilling out rote words rapidly. Now I understand if people struggle with prayer. I understand that. I understand if you're struggling with the the way to form words, how to speak with God. And I'm not talking about that. I'm talking when we sit down and we go through it just as the motions. When we sit down, and when we're done praying, if we were to think back, we wouldn't even be able to really remember what we prayed. Don't talk to the air, but speak with your Father. We also find Jesus cleansing the temple in John 2, seeing men who cheated, who charged outrageous prices, and who bought and sold In what should have been a place of worship, he drives them out, saying, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Then his disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. When we live out our everyday lives, do we live in recognition of God's concerns? Do we want to defend his name, his reputation, and his character? Today we don't really live in a culture that what you do reflects as strongly on your parents anymore. I mean, maybe in the babysit you might have that, oh that's so and so's children. But it doesn't it's not something that we really see as reflecting on the parents. If a child does something then that doesn't cast a smear on the reputation of the parents. But it should be something that we think to in our day-to-day actions. and something that we find in many cultures around the world, and it should be something that we think about as well. If there are those in the world who would not act in certain ways or do certain things because it would reflect badly on their family name, shouldn't we express a similar kind of concern and more? when we reflect on the name of our true family, the family of God. Consider this when you're at parties, when you're in the workplace, at school or at home. Consider how your actions reflect on the character and reputation of your father. Now, this might seem a little overwhelming. You might be thinking, if I'm always thinking about what other people think about God as my father... Won't that kill my desire? Won't I constantly have what I'm doing on my mind? I mean, it's easier when life is easy, but what about when life gets hard? That's extra pressure on me. But this is where the doctrine of God as our Father, that Jesus teaches us, becomes our greatest ally. In Matthew 11, verse 28, When Jesus just finished teaching the people that he is the one who reveals the Father to them, he tells them, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. By this he teaches his people that in him, our concern about who God is as our Father can also find its rest. Because when we fall short, he will be there to purify us. When we mess up and when we're tired and weary because of life, He is there to make things right for us. Because of Him, we know that God won't disown us. In fact, we're led to see that our very concern for God's name comes from us as those who are within the family of God. And that's a huge relief. The fact that we have that concern shows the fact that we have that concern for the name of God, for the reputation of God, shows that we are living from within the family of God. And that's a huge relief because it reminds us again that we are God's children. It's a constant reminder to us again that through Christ, we've been adopted as fellow sons and as fellow heirs. It reminds us That we have Jesus Christ as our older brother. The one who's looking out for us. And the one who purifies us. This is what we'll be celebrating in the Lord's Supper in a few minutes. And I want you to think about it as you eat the bread and drink the wine. We're taking part in a visible reminder of what our older brother has done for us. We're remembering that God, through him has now become our father. As our father, he won't drive us away when we come to him in need. He won't send us away when we come to him begging for forgiveness, when we sin or fall short. Instead, because of Christ, he'll embrace you as his little children and comfort you with the full assurance that you belong to him and that he loves you. So when you pray, work, study, eat, live, and play, and you ask yourself, is God my Father? Just remember, always remember, yes, through Jesus Christ, God is my Father. Amen.